You want some tea? Listen to reality. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reality by Public Relations Students of Laita and Sha'alam. So, I'm Anita. Hello there, I'm Ainur. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Maria. So, how is everyone doing today? I hope everyone is in great shape. Okay, so for today's episode, which is Fishes on the Brink, we will be talking about overfishing. But before that, I know, can you explain briefly about uh, the 17 SDG? Alright, sure. Thank you so much, Anissa. So basically, 17 SDG, or also known as Sustainable Development Goals, is a replacement of the 8 Millennium Development Goals. It's an urgent call for action by all countries in a global partnership. So in 17 SDG, they recognized that ending poverty and other deprivations must go hand-in-hand with strategies to improve. And all of that, including the efforts in tackling climate change and working to preserve our oceans and forests. Well, um, technically, MDG started a global effort in 2000 to tackle the indignity of poverty. So the SDGs are unique in a way that they cover issues that affect us all and aim to shift the world onto a more sustainable path. So, back to our topic today, fishes on the break. Clearly, we are about to address the issue of overfishing and to see how far it is. Based on the, our research and our understanding, this issue um, in Malaysia is mainly um, focusing on the well-being of the fishermen instead of um, the reality or um, the resources of in, the, in the marine life. So let's welcome to the one and only of our guest speaker, Pekka. Hello, hi. Here's a reminder to our listeners to always wear your mask, sanitize your hands, and maintain social distancing when you're outside. Thank you. Okay, so on today's episode, we have Arif Haikal. He is a content manager of ML Studio. Who doesn't know ML Studio? And also yeah. he is a marine biologist. So he owns a Master of Philosophy that focuses on marine biology and biological oceanography from University Technology Malaysia. Yeah, so Haikal makes appearances on ML Studio talking about marine life, science-based videos, um, talking about his job scope and also issues regarding marine life, including overfishing. Which is our topic today. Okay, so um, this is how far we know. Maybe you can share with us on your specialty. Okay, uh, one, of, okay one of the things that you guys might not know about me, uh, when I was doing my master degree, uh, my master study, I did a research. I'm not doing coursework. So I never ever uh, uh, go to class during my master. So my, my master... Research is about I'm detecting PPCP, personal care product and pharmaceutical compounds. That is my study. I detect uh, PPCP in muscle and surface water in Selat Teberau. The Selat Teberau is water body between Malaysia and Singapore. So I detect there. So that is my my master study. That was interesting. So, so yeah, that's my master study. That. So you know, since our topic, we're going to talk about overfishing. As a marine biologist yourself, maybe could you share with us your point of view of what is overfishing and you know in Malaysia itself to what extent 
does this issue occur in Malaysia? Let's define the overfishing first. Overfishing right. is defined as you rate the rate of you catch the fish more than the fish can reproduce itself. A muda tak sempat mm-hmm. dia matang not enough for the fish to mature enough so we 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 grab it from the sea. So that's mm-hmm. overfishing. We clear with that. How bad is uh, overfishing in Malaysia? Yeah. yeah. So, come yeah. on to the first example of mine. I had opportunity when I did internship uh, in Jabatan Perikanan, mm-hmm. specifically in Free Fishery Research Institute (FRI). Apa yang dorang buat? Satu, dorang try to improve some fishing technologies, mm-hmm. which mean how to catch more and effectively. And then they try to resolve or some any some cases that they got from uh, fishermen. So ikan tungkut ialah spesies yang kita orang study. So kita try collect sample dekat jetty yang naikkan ikan tungkut and I have access during that time lah to watch observe uh, fishery database. I surprise tau sebab dia punya ikan punya ukuran makin lama makin pendek. Dulu huh? paling... Uh, uh, dulu, you mean the size of the fishes? Yeah, the size uh, the fish uh, become smaller, smaller, smaller. So it's like just now based on your answer regarding uh why the numbers are not exposed in the media ataupun to all to the public so do you think malaysians are aware about overfishing issue uh they uh, okay they know something happened but they can point out what is happening yeah for example asal ikan mahal asal ikan makin lama makin kecil so trying to say that Facts are not there yet in the media ataupun to the public no. Over- concept good. People ah. are not understanding the concept of overfishing. So so okay, kita balik pada um, the, the 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 definition of overfishing. Mm-hmm. We are harvesting the fish before it can grow up to the max. Yeah. Okay, oh. so uh, we did some reading and it was discovered that in Malaysia we consume a total of at least 56.5 kilograms of seafood per head in a year. Which, you know, to me, it tells us that we do quite heavily rely on aquaculture to sustain local communities, similarly to other Southeast Asian countries, kan? And I believe that this can have a serious impact on the fish stock, right? So, yeah. um... Uh, okay, fish stock, uh, briefly or simply, Lee boleh explain as in um, how how many ataupun how many fish resources yang edible untuk kita. Kalau this much, uh, contohnya ada 100, 100 ton. Uh, so that's how many ya. Yeah. Fish stock normally kita akan kira as in kilogram ataupun ton lah. Maksudnya <laughs> how many thousand kilogram. So over here kita kena tengok berapa fish stock kita ada. Itu tu lah. Kita nak kira berapa ikan yang boleh kita makan pada masa sama berapa ikan yang boleh support kepada ikan yang kita boleh makan tadi. Sebab ada ikan yang kita tak, kita tak makan tapi ikan yang kita nak makan tu perlukan ikan yang kita tak makan tadi. Faham? Yeah. Uh, faham? Okay. Hmm. Kita nampak benda ni sebab kita duduk perairan yang kita tu duduk kita duduk negara yang have a uh, have a ocean in our surrounding. Kita ada mm. South China Sea, kita ada Selat Melaka. So kita boleh cakap lah, kita akan makan banyak ikan sebab negara kita ada dikelilingi oleh laut. Yes. Pernah terfikir tak? Macam mana negara yang tak pernah ada laut? Adakah behavior orang untuk makan laut tu lebih tinggi daripada kita? I think yes. Okay, why do care to explain? I'm I'm all ears. 
I mean, uh, technically when a country yang tak dikelilingi air lah kan, the demand for fish ataupun seafood sekalipun it's a bit high because it's one of the rare things that they can get in the in their country. So, countries yang tak ada ikan tongkol ke, ikan ni ke, they kind of uh, demand for that, I think. So, we import it to them, uh, something like that lah. Import-export macam tu. Um, kita ambil contoh Nepal yang mm-hmm. area dekat dengan Everest. Dekat mm-hmm. sana, kalau nak transport ikan, akan jadi super duper mahal. Sebab jarak antara Everest ke laut yang terdekat adalah jauh. Jadi, Nepal, orang-orang yang berada dekat uh, perairan, eh, perairan, pergunungan Nepal yang tinggi-tinggi nak ke Everest tu, ikan adalah bukan something yang behavior diorang untuk makan selalu. Sebab lebih baik diorang makan kambing yang lebih murah daripada ikan. Sebab transportation, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not practical for them to eat uh, fish. As we now talk about the causes of uh, fishing, right, and in terms of consumer aspect, I can see that we cannot just put the blame on Malaysian itself because one, as I said, as Haikal said, uh, we are surrounded by um, ocean. And second is that we are also being one of the resources for other Southeast Asian countries for them to have to get seafoods on their dinner plates, you know? Yes, we we, we consume a lot in terms of um, Malaysian traditional local dishes are famous to with the seafood, for example, we have Kropot Leko, Laksa, Laksam and many others. And not only that, we also have demand for Western foods that needs premium fishes. Although I can see that um, we are largely consuming, but it is because we are blessed with it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we are being exploited by other um, other country because, you know, we live together in this world. But there should be balance between um, we being the resources for other country. If not, we will have to face the consequences of, you know, depleting stock of fish in the sea. That That's from what I understand lah, from Haikal's point of view. I think for the next question, right? You know, when we talk about resources, based on our reading, sebenarnya aquaculture contributes 8.9% to our GDP or also known as gross domestic product. So from here we can say it actually creates an estimated 1.7 million jobs for Malaysians. Although it contributes a lot towards our economy, however, it comes at the cost of our, you know, sea itself. Like a lot of our fish stocks is like depleting and whatnot, right? In terms of this particular situation, how are we able to find like a proper middle ground? Like, what do you think? Okay, I would like to know you guys punya answer first. I have my own. Please, please, uh-huh, please, please. Like, in my opinion, kan, uh, there's no deny lah. Macam, economy, in terms of economy, um, aquaculture is actually one of the biggest factors that actually helps our economy to thrive. But I think in terms of, you know, not maintain the marine life resources, it comes from our responsibility, I think. Um, for example, keeping the sea itself safe. If we put aside in terms of you know the way we consume and kita import export, kita kena faham yang environment the wise kita pun macam the sea itself is in danger. So let's say like kalau benda tu pun in danger, isn't that like contributing much worse towards the current situation that I explained just now from that? So I think in terms of us as consumers, as you know people of Malaysia who actually lives surrounded by water, 
I think in a way to find the middle ground is to tackle these small, small issues that actually gives this impact towards the marine life. So I don't know about the other guys. What do you guys think? So kalau from my perspective kan, regardless of the consumption of fish ataupun seafood, we're not going to stop eating. That's that's first lah. So maybe in to control it, maybe we need to choose what we eat. That's what I thought of. Uh, my answer, satu, we practice a good fishing technique ni kot. Do you know that one of the way to catch a fish uh, using a troll net? So, yeah. oh, macam, um, there's a net, uh, there's a net, a cone-shaped net and larger the net size. For example, kalau lah 2 inci tu ialah sekarang digunakan kan. Up to maybe 5 uh, inch punya mata kan net tu kan petak kan. So kita uh-huh. besarkan kepada 5 inci. Oh, I see. So kita besarkan kepada 10 inci. Mungkin kita akan kurang tangkapkan uh, those young links. That can be applied on the law enforcement. Kalau korang perasan yang Malaysian start do uh, do this oftenly and frequently lah right now. Ialah mm-hmm. we put uh, artificial reef ataupun tukun tiruan. Uh-huh. So Do you guys know that beside that tukun tiruan itu ialah untuk uh, menambahkan tempat ikan become a apa ni, nursery ground for the fish kan? Coral reef ataupun reef as general uh, tempat untuk ikan daripada anak-anak ikan untuk berlindung sebelum orang membesar. Bila orang dalam keadaan anak-anak ikan, orang akan drift around, drift around, penat lah, drift around, drift around. So nak settle down tempat yang boleh berlindung so orang akan pergi kat reef. So tukun tiruan adalah satu tempat dia. Then do you guys know that Tukun tiruan juga ialah salah satu measure mitigation lah, mitigation measure yang kita boleh guna untuk sekat uh, troll ataupun net. Contohnya, okay imagine that you have a protected marine area kan, kita ada pulau redang. Yeah. Yeah. Then, kita tahu coral reef akan banyak fish stock kan, ada banyak ikan kan kat coral uh. reef kan. Mm-mm. So macam mana kita nak elakkan troll ataupun pukat-pukat ni masuk dekat kawasan marine protected area. One of the way is that kita letak tukun tiruan dekat keliling pulau tu. Bila dia nak troll, pukat dia akan tersekat dekat tukun tiruan tu. So bila nak troll, eh, nak letak net dia sangkut, putus. Net dia putus. So dia akan jadi fences lah. At the same time, uh, ekonomi akan grow, kita boleh tangkap ikan, mm-hmm. kita boleh eat more ikan dan ikan tu sendiri boleh uh, grow to become food in our plate kan. So to improve ekonomi ya. Eh, That could be tricky kot. One of the way ialah banyakkan produk-produk produk-produk perikanan. So now I think we have touched quite a lot of that and now let's chill and take a break for a while and we'll continue after this. Why public relations? This course is all about changing and that means it's not only cocktail parties and networking events. It's just as much about big data, budgets and understanding people Every PR agency needs strong analytical minds, and this course helps to create these. That is with the cool subjects such as PR in government and policy, public opinion and propaganda, digital PR, and corporate creative and production. Plus, you'll get to be a part of IPRMSA, the Institute of Public Relations Malaysia Student Association, set up by the Institute of Public Relations Malaysia, IPRM. It is an initiative to ensure collaboration and cooperation among public relations students. 
Verizon events are held throughout the semester, benefiting all of its members, such as the latest Mental Health Awareness Month, including the Kilometer Virtual Run, Mending Mindset Seminar, and many more. For more info, check out at IPRMSA underscore UITM chapter on Instagram. Hi, we're back. And now um, we will move into the next segment where we'll discuss this overfishing issue from the fishing industry perspective. And as Haikal has mentioned before, there are different types of fishing techniques. And now it's, it's even, even evolving to a larger scale to harbor more fishes. As Haikal said, this surely will have a devastating impact towards the resources. And the way he sees this issue is that the more developed we are, there is a need for a better understanding before we can proceed into the further action to solve this issue. Okay, so before we get into illegal fishing, right, I think it's better for us to like, understand what it means, actually. So based on my readings and understanding so far, from what I can understand is that illegal fishing actually refers to fishing activities conducted by foreign vessels without the permission in waters under the jurisdiction of another state. So what do you think about that? Do you guys like agree with the, the meaning of illegal fishing so far? Yeah, we also discussed and we asked about illegal fishing in Malaysia with Haikal. So based on his explanation, there are two types of illegal fishing. The first one is involvement from neighboring country into Malaysian waters. So here, what he explains that Malaysian fishermen hire foreign workers. These foreign workers ask to send the fishes to them. These foreign workers also tell their associates regarding fishing spots in Malaysia. And not only that, yeah, I know, there is also another method of illegal fishing that has been explained by Haikal. Um, in Malaysia itself, um, Haikal stress about illegal fishing technique, which is fish bombing. Yes, that is true, Zach. Fish bombing is one of the illegal fishing technique that was explained by Haikal. And actually, there is another method of illegal fishing explained by him. Illegally juga adalah dengan uh, certain boat, ada certain area tau yang dia boleh tangkap. Contohnya boat kelas A, uh, berapa nautical mile? Adalah itu kelas-kelas boat. Boat kelas B boleh tangkap berapa nautical mile? Okay, benda ni susah juga sebab orang kat luar sana tak tahu tau. Okay, berapa nautical mile ikan ni ada, ikan ni ada ke tak? Contohnya, contohnya species A dia hanya ada dekat perairan yang dekat dengan pantai, pesisir pantai. Eh? Tunjuk ah, Bagi konteks sikit. Boleh, Ma- boleh, boleh. Sementara tu lah macam one, one of the macam susahnya tak ramai tahu pasal benda ni sebab dia melibat, dia banyak melibatkan banyak pihak kan. Cycle. Nangkapan ikan. Hmm. Oh ni. Nampak kan? Nampak, nampak. So, nampak ni? Uh-huh. Nampak, nampak. Okay, nampak kan? Ken yang se- dekat kawasan ni, ada certain species, ada hanya ada dekat kawasan ni. Dan, uh-huh. tiba-tiba, boat yang dekat kawasan ni bawa balik ikan yang dekat kawasan ni. Oh. So, illegally dia salah lah. Okay, so I guess, now we know that there are some boats fishing illegally in certain areas that they were not supposed to. Which explains why there are certain small size fishes or species that were caught. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, based on illegal fishing just now, there's a question raised in my mind about how can consumers determine illegal fishes caught in the market? Uh, this discussion also was brought up with Haikal 
one of his explanation is that these consumers are lack of awareness regarding illegal fishing. And this is his response. Bila kita nak kata consumer tak support, consumer doesn't know which boat landing which fish. Mm-hmm. Tahu-tahu je dekat pasar dah ada terbentang hias. Cantik. Mm-hmm. Dekat mm-hmm. pasar. Unless lah kalau kita, um, I don't know, maybe kita jadi macam kat luar negara, ada stiker. This fish has been legally, bukan sustainably, legally uh, fish in our in waters. So, macam tu lah kot, in our waters. So, basically, um, Haikal suggested that um, consumers should be more aware of the size and also maybe and the, in the local markets, they can put signboard so that uh, people will be, consumer will be more aware of the fishes they are going to buy. So based on our discussion just now, as we all know, all causes has, has its effects. We also asked Haikal, how long can our fish stock last before it leaves a terrible effect on the resources? So this was his response. I, ha- I don't have uh, numbers out. So I tengok numbers more than three years now. But we can predict lah. How long exact numbers I can't give. But we can predict lah. Lagi banyak uh, kita keep on harvesting ikan tongkol yang bersaiz kecil. Dan mm-hmm. saiz kecil tu semakin kecil. Lagi cepat problem tu akan nampak. Lagi cepat kita akan dapat kekosongan laut. There's no fish on the ocean. Kalau korang dah mula start aware kot. Sekarang lah berapa? Umur korang 22. So nanti korang dah ada anak, cucu. Korang tengok balik ikan. Adakah dia semakin membesar ataupun semakin mengecil? Harga ikan macam mana pula? Semakin mahal ataupun semakin murah? Ataupun harga maintain tetapi ikan semakin membesar. So maksudnya makin murah. So benda tu, benda tu you can uh, simply uh, guessing yourself uh, the projection lah. But yeah, mm-hmm. kalau keep on harvesting, 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 I don't know. Tak sempat dua generation, satu generation sampai ke cicit kita yang kedua kot. So I guess based on what Haika explained just now, um, I think we can infer that it's not long before the second generation of our children will not be able to experience the luxury of having easy access to fishes on our dinner plates later, just like what we are having now. And not only that, I also wonder... In the foreseeable future, do you guys think that is it possible for Malaysian to practice sustainable fishing or even a sustainable seafood consumption considering the level of awareness uh, which is quite low in our country? So what do you guys think about that? I think from my perspective, what we need to do is that we need to plant these understanding about overfishing with our young generation. Why? Because they're the ones who's gonna know that overfishing in the future is gonna be a quite serious problem. So we need to normalize having conversation with them to be a smart consumer, maybe taking them to the markets and see the fishes on the markets and know what type of fish is there, the sizes and all. Okay, so after, you know, having such a good discussion, dissecting into the causes and effects uh, regarding overfishing, illegal fishing and whatnot, I think, how about we start talking about the solutions? Like, what, what can we do, especially in terms of consumer? Like, what can we do in order to, you know, to fight against this sort of issue? Well, I think education is certainly very powerful. 
we need to educate yeah. not that not just the older generation but especially the younger generation yeah, just yeah. like um as previously mentioned plus um we can also maybe start from now plan our meals to ensure that there's a positive chain reaction which means we consume every parts of the fish that we eat I agree, absolutely agree with that. And maybe another solution for that is that the enforcement of law must be transparent, take, I would say. There shouldn't be any bribery or any corruption. And maybe we need to limit the amount of fish captured per person. There's, there isn't like a particular law regarding how much fishes that you can catch, right, per person? If I'm yeah. Not yeah, so I think that's quite logical as well. Because um, if we don't limit, then it's hard to control the amount of fish being taken uh-huh. from the sea. Mm-hmm. So guys, let's look at our current situation with COVID-19 still on the rise. Let's look at it from the perspective of our local fishermen. You know, how about their current situation of trying to catch fishes and also make a living from it? Yeah, true. I think this conversation actually we had with Haika and he said like this. Masa mula-mula PKP first lu, mm-hmm. uh, fishermen are affected terus sebab dia tak boleh dia orang tak boleh pergi keluar rumah. Mm-hmm. So bila dia orang tak boleh pergi keluar rumah, dia orang tak boleh pergi um, tangkap ikan. So mm-hmm. they dia orang super super uh, devastating ah. But at the same time, we are sitting at home. So what we do when we sitting at home, we eat. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So when we eat, we need to have a supply of food. Mm-hmm. So fishermen yang pergi menangkap ikan, orang akan effect, tapi bukan untuk orang yang aquaculture. Sebab apa? Aquaculture, orang dah ada supply stock yang guaranteed oh. fish stock. Sebab orang tahu, okay, dalam ikan, dalam kolam aku ni ada seribu ikan. Ha, boleh lah. Then boleh keep on breeding, breeding boleh, uh, the, the, the chain will go on. But mm. on the certain species of fish yang need to go outside of sea, super-duper devastated lah. So, my say here is that some of them affected, yes, some of them uh, might benefit with uh, COVID-19. For example, the aquaculture industry, Kadang-kadang kolam dorang belakang rumah dorang je. So, mm-hmm. uh, betul, so betul. can work from home. They literally work from home. Every day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we've come to a conclusion to this discussion today. So, what we understand is that based on what we've discussed just now, we now know about issues of overfishing in a bigger picture. Since we have a gist of knowledge on overfishing, I guess it's our responsibility to make more research about the issue in order to understand the concept. This allows us to implement more progressive actions into solving the set issue. Not only that, consumer itself plays a vital role in adjusting to this issue. Maybe the way we consume and how other countries' consumption, we need to reconsider that as well. Fishing contributes to GDP, yet, cost at the expense of the fish stock to our country. Throughout the discussion earlier, we also touched from the aspect of fishing industry. Uh, fishing industry is evolving from, from what we understand just now, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. Haikal also 
um, suggested to us to us that we should understand the concept uh, of development and also understand the concept to conserve the resources as we develop and also um from fishing industry Haikal also explained that there are two types of illegal fishing involvement from foreign um workers workers into malaysian waters and also fish bombing in uh, in our fishing industry and he also suggested that um if we didn't conserve uh, our current resources it's going to be detrimental i believe yeah and to be yeah. Dev- very oh. devastating So now highlighting on the solutions for this overfishing issue, one of it is to plan your meal, which would lead to having positive chain reactions among the fishes in our sea. Other than that, it's also, um, in order to maintain our fish stock, it also depends on a better law enforcement, which is more transparent, True. and honest mm. in order to conserve our fish resources i think we've come to the end of the podcast i mean today has been such a wonderful and very in-depth discussion with haikal especially okay. so <laughs> so i hope um in hopes that you know uh, after that we've discussed about overfishing and whatnot i hope that you know we are able to fulfill the mission of the sdg 14 by below water which is to conserve and sustainably use the ocean seas and marine resources for sustainable development, especially in Malaysia. So, thank you so much, Alif Haikal, for your wonderful, you know, point reviews, your knowledge, and your sharing, because it was really, really insightful, and some of us actually learned something new. So, I would say that it was quite a fruitful discussion. So, let's hope that the solution is able to bring forward this issue for the betterment of the fishing industry in Malaysia. So that's all for today's episode. See you in the next one. Bye. 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 Thank you.